Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Hopeless Professionals podcast. This is Travis along with... Hey Travis, it's Damon. When we're just kind of hanging out today, we wanted to record a little bit. We're going to cover some news, some things we're playing now, and uh, we're going to get into a couple, uh, couple of our favorites from last year as well as some of the things that we're looking forward to this year. Uh, Damon, you ready? I am. Let's go. Travis, why don't you start out by telling me what you're currently playing at the moment? So right now, I'm just all I think about and dream about is uh, the Resident Evil 2 remake. I'm having way too much fun with that. Uh, I've had no interest in those games um, just because I, I don't do scary games. I've told you and other people many times the only reason I had a Twitch account was because I made one to watch you play Resident Evil 7 upon its release. And then uh, the one-shot demo came around, and I played that, and I fell in love with the puzzles and the gratifying ways that those were, were presented and just some of the, the tense nature of it. So, of course, then I had to get it on its release day. So several streams later, I'm on my second run. I think I'm almost out of the police station with Claire, and uh, and it's fantastic. Whoa, it's fantastic. It's very good. So, um I, I really like it. It's It's been really good. I haven't been playing anything on Switch for quite some time. Uh, David turned me on to the Dark Tower series, so I'm currently on the, I think, the third book there, and uh, that's been phenomenal as well. Uh, what oh, about nice. you? You know, it's funny how you say, you know, that you made a Twitch account to specifically watch Resident Evil 7 because... You know, you were terrified of that game. But I remember you saying that Resident Evil 4 was one of your most favorite games. Well, it was Resident Evil 5. I've never played 4, oh, despite it being wow. the best. Wow, I can't believe that. You have to play 4. Hey, good news for you. It's coming out on Switch sometime this year. That's what I've heard, so I, that's why I haven't tried to play it. Um, but, you know, I think, that, I think that the Resident Evil 2 remake, or whatever remaster, I guess it's a remake because it's like it's literally built from the ground up. But I think that it kind of combines the best of what makes like old Resident Evil combined with 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 the controls and everything from Resident Evil 4 and 5. I think that's why it, it's such a good mix. That's cool. I'm looking forward to that. That's what I, uh from the things that I've listened to people who are bigger fans of the series. Um I actually tried to stream some of the remastered uh, on PlayStation. And the camera angles and some of the tank controls, where I know that's the charm of the earlier iterations, they do kind of turn me off to it. I don't, I don't like that style of game enough to to want to press through that. So then, you know, taking those same type of puzzles and, and giving me movement where it's not, you know, you're not nimble and double jumping, but you can still kind of steer and do different things. And right. so far, I've, I've found it very gratifying the way that uh, the puzzles are, are tough. There are things that I still don't fully get or understand. I know I'm leaving things behind, but uh, I'm waiting for February 15th where they start talking about the other content that's going to be released. I'm likely to do another playthrough uh, depending on how, you know, other yeah. games are coming out at that time, too. So we'll have that conversation. But. Well, you know what I think would be cool is if you went and tried Resident Evil 7 now. Now that with your newfound courage for Resident <laughs> Evil games, 
I have not yet started Resident Evil 2. I actually plan on doing it after our podcast is done recording today. Um, that means we're I'm, I'm thrilled because I also thought that the one-shot demo was, a, was an amazing idea. Just being able to jump into a portion of the game and play it for a half an hour. Uh, if you die, you're done. Uh, I thought that was a really great way to kind of build some tension but give you a chance to try out you know, everything that they're, they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think I like the way it's come across. So I, I'm excited to some of the interesting things that I've, I've, I guess, read and heard is what do they do now? Do they go back and do they continue to remaster or do they work more on Resident Evil 8? Well, they said something along the lines that they would I think they should do both. In my opinion, I think they make an eight next and then they remaster three or four after that, I mean, four has been released on literally every system, so I think I think a good remaster of three would be really cool. Yeah, kind of bridge that gap. I, I really liked five, um, but that was just, that was just because of kind of the nature of it. It was a over the shoulder, or was it FPS or over the shoulder? I don't remember. It was a third person. It was kind of like Gears of War. Almost. Yeah, yeah. And then the I played with some buddies of mine. Uh, we almost did a co-op run of it, and it was just that was more of the com- camaraderie type of game. Uh, so I did yeah. like it there. Um, but, you know, I would like to play the other games. Um, one thing I did do, which I liked, was I read up a little bit through Resident Evil 0 and 1 before starting 2 to understand the story, because I love the stories of, about Resident Evil and even the games themselves. There's not a ton of cutscenes. I mean, I beat Resident Evil 2, and I, I know some of the story, but I know there's a lot more that I don't know going on. And yeah. so, like, the lore there is really interesting to look up, and I, I wanted to know what I was going into, if not playing one, like, if there was a direct timeline. And there is some here and there. But. There is some, yeah, you're absolutely right. I do remember fond, I have some very fond memories of playing the Resident Evil remake on the GameCube, and um, just, like, I had that game down to a science back in the day where I could literally beat it in, like, two and a half hours. Oh, wow. Um, it, I tried to play it recently probably within the last year or so and it's a lot harder than i remember but i think a lot of that had to do with the fact that i didn't know where to go and that game is very tough if you don't know where the next key is yeah yeah that that's very tough that's my problem with it but so what i'm currently playing now is um i'm playing a lot of destiny 2 which is is not anything new i tend to play um at least uh, half a dozen or so games of Gambit a week, which I find very enjoyable. It's easy to jump in and 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 kind of, you know, get a little bit of gear, level up a little bit. Um, it's fun because it's like that got that mix of PvP and PvE elements, which I really enjoy. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, I, I haven't been able to do any raids yet in Destiny Two Forsaken, and that's kind of a bummer. Um, but I finally hit. 600 light level so if i wanted to i could do the last wish raid relatively easy um but it's been a slow grind now to get further and i'm not particularly happy with the the black armory just because it's a little too grindy for my tastes and i don't have as much time to just grind power levels like i used to yeah yeah i could see that so I'm looking forward to playing something with a finite start and finish, and that's why Resident Evil is high on my priority list right now. Yeah, that's, I think, one of, the, one of the reasons I was attracted to it. I was going to play the rest of Wolfenstein 2 because uh, I played a game earlier this year, Divinity Original Sin 2 on PC, and that game was just so broad that 
I mean, it was it was mentally exhausting. It was, I mean, one of the best games I've ever played. But afterwards, um, it was the kind of thing where I just wasn't uh, like I needed a linear game to take some of the. Uh, yeah, the I could see that for sure. Yeah, so um, that that was that's really helped me kind of get back into it, where it's big enough to where you have to pay attention to what's going on, uh, but it's also you know there's a start, a middle, and a finish, and that's something that I can definitely appreciate in a game right now. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing Divinity. I'm still holding out um, for the Switch release, which is is been they've they've like half announced it. They haven't really given a lot of detail saying specifically when it's coming, but that they 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 want to bring it. So I'm trying to hold out, but I may just have to cave and eventually just get it on the PlayStation. Yeah, we'll see. If it comes to Switch, I'll play through it again. Uh, I look. I hope it does because that's something that I would buy over again just to support that studio. Um, but it, it's nice. I will see. I thought it was relatively similar to uh, a, a sort of similar, different but similar to Octopath Traveler in a way, um, which which in some ways made me smile. In some ways, you know, was whatever. Um, but as far as the big, you know, there are different characters with different perspectives and different things going on in their own attributes and uh they kind of cross and you know the stories the stories are a lot better intertwined through divinity uh but octopath kind of has that same hey there's a bunch of us living in this land let's all push forward together and divinity is essentially the same thing divinity is just more of a higher level game Interesting. Uh, I will talk. About, we're going to talk about Octopath Traveler in a little bit um, when we get to our our individual games of the year discussion. Uh, I think you know. Is there anything else that you're currently playing at the moment? Uh, no, I'm actually. So, depending on how scheduling works and whenever I get to stream uh, after Resident Evil, uh, I'm likely going to start a Kingdom Hearts three playthrough. Um, never played those. I've watched that for sure. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I've never played them, so I'm going to get caught up on the lore. Uh, but I want to play that. You know, let my son watch. Ashley wants to play it. Uh, she's doing her first stream right now of Little Nightmares. I'm watching it on Twitch as we do this. And uh, so I, I want to see that kind of... And that's also going to be a nice change from uh, the Resident Evil darkness that I've got going on. Uh, and then I need to beat that in time. Okay, I won't go into that because well, we're going to talk about some of the hype we've got going on. I'm excited for a game that comes out next month. All right, well, so I think that kind of wraps up. I mean, what else am I currently playing? Um, I'm playing Wargroove on the Switch, which just came out yesterday, and that is uh, looks it looks incredible. It's um, it's like a cross between Fire Emblem and Advanced Wars, but it plays exactly like an Advanced Wars game. So it's like a tactical turn-based strategy game, uh, but instead of controlling like individual characters, with a la Fire Emblem, you have like a commander, and then you do ha- you have units that you can summon. So it's a little bit different, but it's it's fun so far. I haven't gotten very far in it as it you know it just released yesterday, but I look forward to finishing it and kind of helping kind of tied me over until fire album comes out supposedly sometime this spring cool cool that's a a conversation you and i need to have or i guess maybe we can have at some point because there i haven't played the switch in a long time and after that nindy's direct there's a couple games coming out that i know i'm gonna gonna bury some time in so oh yeah definitely um so i know you uh you had some news so do you want to move over there so we can start kind of figure covering what's been going on in our, our months that have been out yeah, let's uh, let's dive right in. 
All right, so in the news, let's talk about a little bit of PlayStation's uh, information that has come out within the last week. So at the beginning of this week, Sony kind of, I guess, issued a statement saying that they have moved all of their first-party development over to the next generation of PlayStation hardware. Yeah, yeah, so they... Any first-party studios that they have complete control over are now no longer making games for the PlayStation 4. Right. So, you know, I think that with with Sony skipping E3 this year, the, there's the likelihood of a PS5 announcement or whatever they're going to call it. I, I, I do feel like they're just going to continue with the, the, the numerical, you know, upgrade. Yeah, yeah that's – yeah, that, that would be – I think that would make sense. I, I think the, what, what's funny is I wonder what – the Xbox is going to go to next because, you know, it was Xbox, then it was Xbox 360, so that they didn't say Xbox 2 compared to PS3, and then now it's the PS4 and the Xbox One. I just, I, I have to wonder what the next one is going to be called. Yeah, um, what was it, the the Xbox, it was what was it, the One X that was codenamed Scarlet? No, the, the, that's their next generation. The the One X was codenamed Scorpio. That's right, and then Scarlet. So I think that even like if they were to name, they just name it something different, change the mold because they need they need a change. Uh, they Maybe they'll just they'll just go right out and call it the Xbox Five just to really throw everybody for a loop. I mean, that would generate buzz. They need it. Um, you know, realistically, they haven't done very well this generation, so um, they need to do something to kind of re rebrand. This the console because if not everybody's going to continue to think oh here's another Xbox if I want to play these three games I'm going to have to get one at some point in time. Whereas so in, go ahead. right and I, I like what you said about you know they need to kind of they haven't done very well this generation and I think that initially you're absolutely right although in the last year or so they've done a lot of good um, with gamers for things like. The Game Pass, because the Game Pass is is honestly shaping up to be a fantastic deal. It's only $10 a month, and it lets you play. Uh, there's just – the library is huge and growing every week, which I find kind of incredible. It's actually making me want to splurge on it. But the second thing that they've done really well is backwards compatibility um, with Xbox One being able to play Xbox 360 and original Xbox games. And not only does it play them, but for some of those games, it it upreses the resolution to 4K. It has significantly improved loading times. You know, so games like Red Dead Redemption and Mass Effect, those are all upscaled to 4K, and they run in a better frame rate, and they have enhanced loading times, which I think is is a wonderful idea. And that brings me to my next topic regarding Sony is. They filed a patent two years ago that was just published, I believe it was Thursday or Friday, for backwards compatibility. And now it doesn't specifically say that it's for their next hardware, but it does kind of bring that into the conversation is, are they trying to find a way to allow people to play their old games that they already have in their possession? No, I... I I think this is a part or something where you and I are going to disagree. I don't think that Sony, similar to Crossplay, has any any desire to do backwards compatibility in in the sense of of something similar like Xbox has. I think that Xbox needed a win with the people, 
and that's where they got it. I don't think that there's enough money being made in that to drive the industry to force any other uh, – any other a console maker to have to come up with a competing uh, you know system or, or product type for the streaming uh, game market. Um, I think that the PS Now service that they have is the backwards compatibility that they're going to continue to make moving forward. Now, I think if anything in the whole, like if anything, it's for the PS5 to be able to play certain iterations of PS4 games. Because I think that if the PS5 comes out, they're not going to want to alienate the PS4 games that are coming out now, the Horizons, the the God of Wars of, of last year, things, you know, these huge games, because realistically, they're in a sprint for the PS4 yeah. seven years in. So they're going to want to come out because they don't want to fall behind as far as technology goes. But I think they're going to want to try to find a way to keep the momentum of the games that have come out so that way you're not alienating your own choice if you decide to upgrade your hardware. You're right. And, you know, here my, my take on it is this. I think that at the very bare minimum, the PS5 will be able to play PS4 games just by sticking the disc in. Because I think that the hardware on, a, on like a very basic level is going to be the same type of engine, you know, CPU, just better and i think that because the because the ps4 you know uses basically a pc hardware i think the ps5 is going to use the same hardware it's just going to be more ram more processing power you know to have 4k 60 frames per second and i think that they're going to allow you to take your ps4 games and put them right in and play them maybe with a a small batch of graphical improvements you know a la the ps4 and the ps4 pro at the moment but i'm kind of skeptical as to ps3 games because without you know ps3 games work on playstation now because you're streaming the game basically off of the regular hardware the ps3 hardware the ps3 was a very difficult system to develop for because it utilized the cell processor and all of this stuff. It was so vastly different from, you know, the Xbox at the time that that's why we don't see a lot of, there's no backwards compatibility from the PS3 to the PS4. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's why it's easier for the Xbox one to backwards compatible play Xbox 360 games because they, they've kind of used the same, type of hardware you know so i mean i think at the very least you know especially with the playstation you know moving towards the next generation you're looking at games like the last of us and death stranding and uh, ghosts of tsushima and cyberpunk and all of this other stuff i think that there might be a little bit of like a cross-generational thing happening you know because if you look at the way the xbox one is with the xbox one x being so powerful it still plays everything that the Xbox one does. It just does it with more frames and better resolution. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's going to be a trend that we see moving forward for a lot of game systems, unless something vastly changes in the future in, in terms of technology. I think that I, I think you're right, but I do think that that's going to create an interesting dynamic too, between like, if you think about the, if let's just say the PS5 comes out and is this titan of uh, electronic capability or technological capability, and they do master those things, you do also on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. 
let's just say, convenience and clarity um, of the Nintendo Switch, where you also have another system who's crushing it in sales, you know, but doesn't stand for necessarily any of the things that a PS5 right. might try to. So it's it's an interesting place to see where, let's just say, the Xbox could still potentially fall in between and still either have success or you know, try to still find a way to be behind. I think that they, they have some interesting choices to make to try and stay, I don't want to say relevant like they have, like they're not relevant, but I, I, it's, it's an interesting thing to, to see how I it develops. Competitive is a, is a perfect word there. Um, so that, that'll be interesting to see, but um, yeah, but, yeah, we'll you know, see. Speaking of, of, of uh, nice transitions there, you mentioned the Nintendo Switch, and that actually brings me to my, my next piece of news. Uh, so Nintendo just released their quarterly earnings, basically their sales data for you know Nintendo systems, that's the Switch, the 3DS, all of the hardware and um you know the games that have that they've been selling and there's some actually really surprising numbers in those sales data so the first thing that i want to say is that the switch has sold 32 million consoles since it was released in march of last year wow and to put that into perspective it's the best selling console of all time well, what was in last year it was the year before well i'm saying uh, you're right of 20 2017 so since it's, it came out 2017, this March is going to be this, the second year anniversary of its release. It is the best-selling console of all time in that two-year span. Um, the only thing right now that has sold more in a two-year period was the Wii. However, keep in mind that the, the Switch hasn't actually hit two years yet. So if Nintendo hits their internal project projections – they will it will surpass the Wii sales by the end of March, which is what they're aiming for. Wow! So they're they're aiming to sell 35 million consoles by March, and if they hit that, they will have beaten the Wii because the Wii had sold 34 and a half million uh, in two years. That's insane. It is insane because I, I was looking at the numbers and it, it just it really it's it, it 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 sold a tremendous amount over the last year, especially in December. Um, it sold just a tr I think it sold something like ten nine or ten million just in the month of December alone. Oh wow! And so then they also talked about their best selling games um, of all time for the Wii or for, I'm sorry for the Switch. And do you know what the best selling game is on the Switch right now? Oh, right now it's probably Smash Brothers. Close. It's actually Mario Kart. Mario Kart is at the top of the pack with 15 million. Wow. In third place is Smash Brothers with 12.08 million. Jeez. Which is insane when you think about it because that game has been out for literally a month. Yeah. Yeah, there are people going to buy consoles specifically for that game. It's, it is the best-selling Nintendo um, console game of all time. At the moment, like I mean, I get her fastest selling, I think is the word they use. So it's not the best selling, but it's the fastest selling at the moment. And then just in front of that is Mario Odyssey with 13.8 million. Um, we're looking at Zelda Breath of the Wild at 11.7 million. Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee at 10 million total. And then there's just a bunch of other million sellers. Splatoon 2 is at 8 million. Uh, Mario Party, Donkey Kong, Octopath Traveler, even Captain Toad is at 1 million. But the most interesting part of this is that 50% of all Switch owners have Mario Kart. And then just over a third of all Switch owners have Smash Brothers. Yeah. Wow. 
And those numbers will just continue to grow because they're what Nintendo likes to refer to as evergreen titles. So those titles will they just always sell. They have like the longest tail ever. Yeah, yeah, that is true. You know, it makes me wonder: is is Nintendo going to re- you know release sequels for these games? Are they going? Are they looking at a sequel for Mario, for Mario Kart, for Zelda? I'm sure they're in the works in some capacity, but it's curious to see when those things will come out because typically you have five or six years between most major Nintendo titles. Yeah, we'll see. The, they make a lot of arguments for the uh, the two Zelda games per console, so they think that we'll get hopefully not just a remake but a, a new Zelda game, maybe within right. the same area, but we'll see. But that would definitely continue to drive the sale uh, as well as more consoles to, to be sold. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about Zelda games per console, you know, the, the original Zelda, you usually get one or two original Zelda games per console. Um, and then you have your remakes. The Wii U had had Wind Waker and Twilight Princess remade. The, the Wii U is actually one of the only systems that didn't have a sole Zelda release just for that because – Breath of the Wild came out at the same time on both the Wii U and the Switch. So um, poor, the poor Wii U, which only ended up selling about 13 million consoles, never got its own Zelda title. That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. But then that also leads me to my one other really interesting piece of Nintendo news. Uh, so last week, Nintendo released a, a, a short little YouTube video that said, an update on Metroid Prime 4 development. And, you know, of course, I woke up to this and saw it, and I thought, oh, this is going to be great. I can't wait. Turn it on, and it's the execu- one of the executives of Nintendo on a white background with no music saying, hey, we're really sorry, but it wasn't shaping up as well as we would have hoped. So instead of canceling it, we're going to restart the entire development from the beginning. What? And we hope that you'll understand because we want it to turn out really good. And that was basically the whole thing. And – Nintendo got a lot of praise for being positive and honest in their messaging. And, you know, I found that really interesting because a lot of game companies I don't think would have done something along those lines. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, with the, the faith in that, uh, in the game series, I mean, they, it's, been, it's been a long time. So people aren't going to mind waiting a little more or a little longer. And, uh, and that's just a title that's going to sell and make so much money no matter how many things they have to to triumph for the adversity that they have to overcome in the process i think right and you know here's a here's a little tidbit of information that i was able to glean from multiple sources of the on the internet um you know reading different forums and everything is that apparently nintendo was trying to do this kind of like splintered development where different studios were handling different pieces of the game and then they were supposed to bring it all together and that wasn't shaping up the way that they wanted it to so they decided to scrap basically the whole thing and they put it in the hands of retro studios where if you're not aware retro was the studio who had originally done the first three games in the metroid prime trilogy hmm interesting so i mean granted 
the a lot of the key people that made the original trilogy don't work there at the moment but retro studios has made the donkey kong country returns franchise which if you haven't played them they are incredible platformers i would say even better than 2d mario games in my opinion and i do feel like whoever is working at retro at the moment is capable enough to make metro prime 4 be as good as it should be but the interesting thing about that that I wonder is what has Retro been working on? Because they came out with Tropical Freeze on the Wii U, I think, four years ago. Yeah. So what have they been doing in that four-year span? Because we know it wasn't Metroid Prime 4. So are they putting whatever else they had on hold? Or are they working on both of these simultaneously? And I think that's an answer that we, we may not ever get. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. That's that's an interesting point. Um, yeah, in those, I'd like to see some like the trilogy re-released, maybe on Switch. In in the meantime, as like a a nod so, to fans. To go off of that, there was a senior editor at Game Informer that published a. I guess he published a little article on GameInformer.com that said the trilogy's actually been ready. It's been done and ready for announcement for the Switch since a few months. But it's been on hold, and now people are saying this is why they put it on hold, because Metroid Prime 4 wasn't ready to announce yet. So they're holding on to this to kind of bring it out maybe a little bit later to kind of keep people's awareness. Um, so I think that if – I think sometime this year, probably before summer, we'll get a, a, a Metroid Prime trilogy for Switch announcement. That will be really cool. I look forward to that because those are games that I want to catch up on as well. I mean, if you've never played them, they are incredible first-person adventure games. I wouldn't call them shooters, even though you use a gun. But you're, you're, it's more about the exploration and being lost on the, this alien world and figuring out where to go next. They're, I mean, they, they recreate what takes the 2D Metroid, and they, they bring it into the 3D just in an incredible fashion. Yeah. So the, I just, I, that's definitely a conversation that I have. I would like to have because there's just so much that I don't know in regards to those series and how how things kind of shape up because I know that that's also one of the series that's kind of spawned its own I don't want to say following well, I mean but it has but it's also there are a lot of games that it has inspired throughout oh absolutely I mean it's inspired an entire genre the Metroidvania genre yeah, exactly exactly which is you know the idea of a large kind of interconnected overworld that you can get to without you know upgrading your abilities and you kind of see that in so many games when you think about it god of war is like that uh at least the newest one is kind of like that um you know yeah there's there's a there's so many of them it's definitely a thing Um, it really is and it's such a it's such a good concept for a game to give you know players a world that you can explore and then as your abilities get better you have even more access to that world and you kind of you find places that you couldn't get before and things that were like just out of your reach that you you were always under your nose or all that stuff and that's what that's why i think those those types of games are so beloved yeah yeah it'll be nice to see that generation get its next uh, or that yeah that generation get its next uh, next game put out I, no matter how long it takes i think that that's something we'll be able to to talk about for the next i guess couple of years now realistically yeah. so we'll see but um so from the news let's jump into um what what do we want to do first the um 
the th- I think the, what we're going to do next is we're going to talk about our our year in review, and that's ba- that's that's the hopeless professionals year in review. Kind of, you know, we started this we started this blog slash Twitch stream slash podcast thing a year ago, and we've had a lot of ups and downs in between. But I think we've we've managed to accomplish a decent amount in the last twelve months. Yeah, yeah, things have gone pretty well. I mean, I think that we've grown a little faster than you know we had ever really anticipated we definitely put put a lot into it so nothing has happened by accident as far as you know trying trying uh i'm proud of us there but um but it's been it's been so much fun to just meeting the people we have and and making some of these connections i think you know what it's all worthwhile the discord community the stream community um you know getting to post on the chat and stuff like or i'm sorry the uh the site it's it's been wild to kind of even see for me it's it's how you can make those things work within a life that we already have where you know the family we've got to do things we've got to go to work we've got to sometimes go to school um you know there's just always so much going on but then having this outlet of these other people that some are like-minded some are are different than we are but you know we all kind of have some of these same goals and same interests and it's 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 just positivity all around and i think it's a nice community of support that we've built yeah you know i i haven't I was real. I think both of us were very gung ho and, and were very diligent about posting blog posts, like at the beginning of the website's inception. And I had kind of, you know, we hit some bumps in the road when it came to life and jobs and school and all this sort of other stuff. You know, both of you and I both started new jobs last year. That's true. Yeah, we did. You know, and I I took a break from school, and then when I came back, I changed my basically my specialty from administration to nurse practitioner. So that all that stuff really threw a wrench into my ability to write for fun. Yeah, and that's kind of upsetting. But I think that I think that now this year I'm going to now that I kind of have a better understanding and a better rhythm of how I can get things done. I, I, I plan, I have, I have a personal goal of posting at least a, two posts a month. And then anything above that is going to be just icing on the cake. Yeah. And then, you know, you've been streaming much more than I have. And the, the Twitch stream has just grown to, I, I mean, I don't get to stream as much as you do, but I get the emails I get to watch your streams. I see the numbers. It's just really fun, and uh, everybody communicating and interacting and having a blast with with what we're doing so far makes me really positive for what we can accomplish in the future if we just kind of keep this going. Yeah, because for us overall, the growth is what's what we kind of always challenged ourselves with. It was more like how if we take on, you know, I know we've talked about it before, but the, the hopeless is is you know we're we're professionals damon works in medical field i work in finance and banking and you know the hopeless is is we know we're just people you know we kind of we like to mess around we like we're sarcastic we're sadistic we're cynical sometimes and yeah but you know that's just kind of a part of it and so it was always like hey like how how relatable can this be like you know if we were to reach out you know we're not like a big giant personality like ninja we're not you know, lucky and butt wipe. We're not fantastic at games, and and so it's just like, how? What are the different ways that we can try to make this work? And uh, and so far, I think we've found a couple of different ways, and and we're always receptive to feedback. And some people have been giving us feedback, and we're trying to grow and continue to grow. Uh, we got affiliate in like six or seven months, which which I, was one of the most exciting things that I think happened for our 
the hopeless professionals last year? Oh, hundred percent. I, I was, I couldn't even believe it. Um, the, when that happened, that was, that was really exciting. Despite my six hour stream of my living room that time, uh, we still got <laughs> I think it, it in. was more than that. I think it was like 12. Was it? Yeah. It was a long time. Yeah. We, it was a great living room. Which, which yes, it screwed up the metrics so much that we couldn't cause we, <laughs> we had no viewers for that entire 12 hour stream. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, we, we finally got, cause it was something that was like, we got the followers, but then we had to keep streaming to get the viewer count up for a couple more days. Yes. But, oh, that was funny. Yeah. It was, it was interesting to say the least, but, uh, so just, that's a thank you to everyone. Um, you know, we, we haven't, really written any hard goals down as because like i don't the the measurements there we don't want to talk about like oh we want this many subs we want to make this much it's much more of of we just we want to continue to feel this way as long as we feel like you know we're we're reaching people and they're having fun and we're having fun then you know that's that's all we're we're really wanting to do yeah i agree with you there now i was gonna say like i i would have my own personal sub goals but you know i really don't think that what what i think is important is having a a a consistent viewer base that's there that's that's participating and you know i want to i want to i do have a personal goal of my own though is to stream for at least maybe one or two hours a week um for the next year if i can if i can make it work and i think i will be able to um but i'm going to start small and i'm going to say maybe one hour a week and then go from there for myself when it comes to the actual stream itself. Yeah. And just, you know, like uh, we're going to try to get together a schedule soon. I found a way to do that. So we're looking looking for that. That'll be fun. And um, But more or less, like, you know, we've got some donations. We're trying to any, – anything that we get, we're trying to put right back in the stream. I, right now I have a thing going on for a gamer chair because my chair just eats away at, you know, what's going to be scoliosis when I'm 80. And, I know. Uh, I feel the same way yeah. when, as I sit here right now talking to you. Yeah, it's rough. Um, we we recently went through and we got our sub badges all set up, and uh, so now we're looking into emotes and stuff. So everything everything that happens and and how it all goes down is all meant to be uh, within you know within the stream. Everything kind of gets recycled through there. So um, we appreciate everything, um, and, and we're just going to keep trying to plug along. Yeah, I think um, I think some maybe maybe a, a bigger variety of sub badges and emotes will be something we're we're going to hopefully accomplish by the end of the year. Yeah, as well. Yeah, there's just the only limitations we have are that we're not a partner; we're an affiliate, so they do kind of limit what you can do there. But you know, the we're, we're looking into stores. We're we're, we're trying to get. I want stickers so bad I can't stand it. So uh, t-shirts and stickers, I, you know, we're wanting just because the. We're really taking. We're trying to double down on the community side of things. I mean, I'll tell you what. I I I would want hopeless pro stickers and t-shirts. You know, even if I wasn't a part of this, I think that would be so fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I want one really bad. Uh, but that's that'll be cool. So you know, if you if you're listening to this and you're not in our Discord, let us know, and uh, you know we can get you in there because that's where we're constantly updating what's going on. And there's a great group of people there that. You know, trying to keep everything you know free, or not free, for free, willy willy nilly and fun. I guess is right. The and you know, term. the only other thing that I personally I would love to get an email from anybody. You know, hopelessprofessionals at gmail dot com. Send us an email, and we'll read it on the, the the pod or the stream or or anything. I think that would just be a blast. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll hope to hear from you guys. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our 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 year in review for the hopeless pros. Let's take a quick 
break, and then we are going to dive into our top games of the year, uh, Damon and Travis, and then what we're hoping, what we're really hyped up for in the, in the year coming. our games of the year i think travis and i we talked about this before we, we we decided to record this podcast and we said that we have one specific game of the year for the both of us that was like the hopeless pros game of the year and let's preface this by saying we did not play enough of assassin's creed odyssey we both of us didn't play really any of red dead redemption i think you got a little bit further than i did but we didn't play enough of it to include that in our discussion this year yeah because it's they were left out because we haven't played them and so it's you know i don't want to put it there because it should be there because of what everybody says because i don't have my reasons to put it right and i think that's something that we can visit sometime this year when there's like a gaming drought kind of revisit those games and see what we think but without further ado the hopeless pros from game of the year is 2018's god of war you know it came out april 20th 2018 not as a reboot of the franchise but kind of a reimagining but also a continuation and i know we we also said before we got into this podcast today is that we're not going to talk about god of war today just Everybody knows it's our game of the year, and I think we said in two weeks' time we're going to revisit, have a deep dive God of War podcast with um, friend of the show and moderator Moby Thick. He's going to be on to to kind of discuss that with us. That was that was his music, the bass drop. So Travis, I want you to start. Tell me, give me um, your five games of the year okay uh so the do you want to do one 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 and go one by one or do you want sure we'll take turns okay the um where'd my list go so these are in no particular order i just had written i had a bunch of games written down um and let's preface this by saying as well that these games didn't all necessarily come out in the last year but we played them this year and they were good enough for us to consider our favorite games of the year right like uh i'll i'll start with an example uh for for me that one of those was fallout 4 um i had never played the game and i had some time over the summer and i played through and had a great time um you know the the ways that i did it people had told me so much uh friends of mine loved the game and i had never experienced it so going through uh, with some of you know they helped in some ways through chat and uh met a lot of people through there actually that are still hanging around so it was one of those games that the the game itself was was its own magic for me, but then also kind of the, the community engagement there. That was some of the first times that that had happened and, and rallying around the game and me dying in certain places so many times. Uh, so that was really cool. Uh, that was uh, one of my favorite experiences this year. 
you know that that's a game that lends itself to 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 having fun on stream because it does afford you so many different options and uh i like that i'm I'm looking forward to playing some more games like that in the future on stream kind of making decisions on the fly sort of deal yeah yeah it was pretty cool so what about you what's your uh what's your first one up here so I'm going to do the same thing as you, and I am going to pick a game that didn't re- that released in 2018 on the particular system that I played it on, but it was a 2017 game, and that was Hollow Knight. Uh, came out on the Switch, I believe it was either E3 press conference. They announced, you know, it's available right now, and I downloaded it immediately, and I played it probably for a dozen hours, and got really far, and got a lot of upgrades, and then I got just lost just completely lost (laughs) and i wandered around for probably another hour or so before i gave up for a few months and then i don't remember what had happened i think i was listening to kotaku split screen and they were talking about how much they enjoyed the game and how you know it just continually gets more more exciting and surprising and all this stuff and i thought you know what i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna play it I'm going to to pick it back up and I figured out the one thing that I was missing and once I got through that part the whole game just opened up and that was like it's amazing to think that that game was made by a majority of two people and the amount of detail and just attention that they gave to that game was incredible and I loved every minute of it yeah I, I, I have not experienced the magic like you have but I hear so many great things about the game and for me, it was actually very refreshing to hear you say that you love the game so much because I thought, man, these guys are just crazy. Like, they just have terrible taste in games. And then for you to say that, I realized it was just me having a hard time. Well, that's the thing is the opening hours when you don't have any abilities makes it harder to enjoy it. But once you have the double jump and the wall climb and the air dash then it's like you have all of these mobility upgrades and you can get to so many places that you couldn't before and that's where it really opens up that whole ant farm exploration aspect of the game yeah that's pretty cool so i look forward to that because i so i will say to anybody who's lost is um save up 1800 geo which geo is the currency of the game and buy the lantern that way you will never get lost, like I did. Bro, I'll get lost. I'm not scared. I'll get lost. Probably will, but at least there's less of a chance to get lost. <laughs> All right. So, Travis, what's your what's your next you know favorite game of 2018? So I'll go from the PlayStation to one of the very first, maybe the second game I played on Switch last year, uh, which was Celeste. It's just a a platformer with a very intense story, fantastic music. I still listen to the soundtrack sometimes, um, and that was really really got me into in, indie games after Blossom Tales uh, in the Switch and just kind of some of the magic that's you know hiding in that store. I mean, there was a lot of hype around Celeste, so it's not like I discovered it. Um, but, you know, it was part of that... Uh, you know, I don't know how to phrase it. There was several indie games that came out that kind of showed that mm-hmm. some of the Switch's magic is going to be these non-first-party games. And... Uh, and that was a big one for me, the story revolving a lot around mental health and different things like that, which, you know, in, in media, sometimes they don't even want to touch that. And for this game to really hit that head on, I thought was really brave and very, very well done. And it stood out to me and has since I played it. Yeah, I agree with you. And it was funny is when I first saw the trailer for Celeste, I thought, I don't want to play that. That looks, 
I was like, I just, it's not, that does not look enjoyable to me at all. And and then I saw the the reviews for it coming in, and then I realized, hmm, maybe it is. Maybe my first snap judgment was incorrect. And I, you played it before I did, and I was, I was, it was probably one of my favorite games. But I didn't want to put it on my list because I knew that you really just enjoyed it so much. I did. I, I had a very special time with that game. I remember walking around pacing doing what i could with some of that stuff just uh there's a siren going with my house and my dog's gonna do this howl thing it does so he's okay he's just talking to the sirens so i apologize but uh, whatever you know that's 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 kind of the hopeless pros mantra is there's there's so much going on whether it's kids or jobs or whatever that you know you can be detained at any time okay well this it's a pretty pretty vicious sounding howl sometimes it scares me actually common um so david what was your what was your number two so i'm gonna i'm gonna take this back now i'm gonna go chronological through the rest of the year and my my first like really big favorite game of 2018 i think was the the remake remaster of shadow of the colossus mm-hmm. that game has always been one of my favorite games but when you try to replay it in its original state there's just something about it that always felt off. You never quite moved appropriately. You know, the game just wasn't as responsive as you wanted it to be. And I really felt like with the remake of The Shadow of the Colossus, not only did they they create one of the most gorgeous games of last year. Like they 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 totally did that world justice when they when they remastered that. Uh, but on top of that, they, it seems like they streamlined the controls to make a little more sense because I will say when I played it through, I played it through probably in, in, over the course of a week and just, just finished it without, without really ever feeling like I was not in control, which is definitely not how I felt the first time I played that game. Yeah, the, I tried to play it a little bit. I actually got really lost. I... I kind of shouldn't have played it when I played it because I wasn't really in the mindset to try a new game. I just kind of played, made it through, I think, the first two Colossi. Colossi? Yeah. But uh, but it was good. I mean, it was really cool, very unique. And uh, and so I, I look forward to playing that again. That's, that's that game, Doom. Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein 2 are the short list of games that I need to to yes. blow through that aren't just gigantic like Red Dead or Assassin's Creed. I think those are great games for you to, to, to stream linear, linearly uh, that will give you the satisfaction of finishing something and really experiencing an interesting story. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. Number three for you. Number three for me is drum roll because I don't remember Stardew Valley. Oh, I love that game so much. I streamed it. I played it. I pretended to sleep so that my wife would go to sleep and then my son would go to sleep and then I would play it at night and then I would play it when I woke up. Like I, I had an itch to play like a Harvest Moon game one day. And man, I think I think it was you. You were like, just get Stardew Valley and said it's like 15 bucks. And I'm like, OK. And man, that game was just I love that game. I bought it on mobile, even though I haven't actually played it very much. Um, like the, I read Jason Schreier's uh, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels because they had a story about it in there. And man, what a what a great game! A very laid back, just like hey, mindless 
you can do these things any different way you want to. I love that game. I would. I want. No, I will say that's not a game that I'm very good at. I just. I, I don't think I gave it enough time to get good at it at the moment. But I think that's something that I'll have to revisit in the near future, just to kind of see what all the magic is about. But the thing that that really did it for me for that game was the fact that it's made by one dude. He one guy uh, made that game, and it took him five or six years of just anguish to finish it. So mm-hmm. that to me is kind of like a personal. And it just hits me on a personal level. Then that I I I I feel like I want to support that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was really neat. And then I, uh, the end of the the story within that that book talks about how he's on his way to PAX after the game has come out. You know, I think six or eight, twelve months, whatever. He's on his way to PAX and uh, still crawling into like a Toyota Camry, a '92 Toyota Camry. That one door doesn't work and the windows won't roll down. But he's got a bank account with like six million dollars in it and stuff. Something. And, and it was cool. Yeah, I, I love that. That's just that. That's something that I I hope one day that I can kind of say for myself. I as somebody who is creatively inclined, you know, I just I might not have the the tech ability to make a game or something, but I, I always have a desire to create entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's not necessarily something that I possess to an extent, but I, it's something I love to appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I'll jump in now. I'm on number three and I'm trying to go chronologically. So after shadow of the Colossus, my game of the year list includes uh, a game that came out in July for the Nintendo Switch, which is Octopath Traveler. We talked about it on stream when it first came out. It was the best-selling game at the the time when it released. Um, yeah, they ran out I, of copies, right? What's that? They ran out of copies. They did. It was either at Best Buy or Amazon or somewhere. It was completely sold out for a couple weeks after its release because it was that popular. And I I know that there's been some kind of, there's been a little disappointment with that game, but hear me out when I say this is not a game that is meant for you to play in one sitting or even in just a couple sittings. I have played this game over the course of the year every time I get an itch for like an RPG and right now I'm on chapter two of everybody's stories and I've beaten chapter two for more than half of the characters and it's just it I'm having so such a good time with the game picking it up and playing it whenever I get that urge for an a, like a traditional Japanese RPG that I don't I don't think I share a lot of those criticisms that some people do because I'm not getting burned out on it by playing it 80 hours straight yeah yeah that is very true it's that that's what happened to the game with me where it's I I that is one of those games that the soundtrack and the art style were just phenomenal. Oh, um, 100%. I got stuck in a couple parts. And the, the game, the complaint for me is the gameplay loop, as attractive as it was, uh, is a little repetitive. And it is. You're absolutely right. But the but I did exactly what you're saying is I tried to plow through. And so at that point, the redundancy takes some of the charm out. Yes, 100%. And, I agree yeah. with you on that. And then that's why... Me playing it every, like, you know, once a week or once every two weeks, and I'll play it for a little while and beat a chapter, and then I'll put it down. there. I mean, I didn't pick the game up for almost three months at a time, and I just, I, I, I am still enjoying it. I think the individual stories are exciting. They're fun to experience. I do think that they missed an opportunity 
by having a more cohesive interconnected story with all eight characters but i like how they every character has its own individual story even if they don't mesh together yeah yeah and that was that was really i thought that was pretty pretty well thought out um you know i liked the the tiered story they seem to do where it's kind of like everybody has a a chapter one and then a chapter two and then i'm not sure what comes after that because i haven't made it that far there's at least a chapter three per person, but I'm sure I think it goes up to four or five per character. Okay. I haven't beaten it yet, and I don't think I will beat it for probably the rest of this year. But it, like I've said, this is a game that I can pick up a couple times a month when I want to play an RPG, gain some levels, beat a chapter, and then put it down. And then I know I've got seven more chapters left at any time. And that's kind of what kind of just keeps it at the end of the carrot for me. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is a good point. I think that that, and this is a part of where we're able to kind of give some clarity is like how some of these these games, how they can fit into your life, even if you're if you're the kind of person who doesn't get to game often or I don't get to sit down and spend, four, like that's my argument with Red Dead Redemption is I don't have time to sit down and, and plow through 80, 80 hours of that story or whatever. Right. But the um, the deal is, you don't have to with the Switch. That's one of the, like we talked about with the uh, the contrast of the PlayStation versus the Switch is you you have these opportunities to do things differently than you would on just a, a console or even a PC. And I think that Absolutely. That's, that's part of its charm. All right. Now, next is number four for you. Number four for me. I think it was a game that came out right after um, God of War. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. I, I was debating between the two. Um, the last one is going to be my personal game of the year. Um, Far Cry 5. I, um, I, we, what was it? I remember this. We did a podcast. It was one, it was our, one of our right before God of War podcasts, I think. Or maybe it was right after. I don't remember. But we did the podcast and then I decided between Overwatch and Far Cry 5, and I bought Far Cry 5 because Which it was, I think is a great – that was a great choice. Yeah, I, I, I suck at Overwatch. Um, but I love that game, man. I loved it so much. The, the, the big area, the explore this, the do stuff in this area to trigger events. Like that's just a game that the way the game works really works for the way that I like to play games. And uh, I'm very, very, very excited for the sequel or the large-sized expansion that comes through, uh, comes out, I should say. In, yeah, uh, I think your best bet to describe that is like a like a expansion. Well, it's like a la the Frozen Wilds. Well, no, I think it's much more along the uh, Uncharted Lost Legacy. Okay, I'll take that argument. Yeah, because it's 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 only forty, and uh, it's not going to be anything too wild. Um, but it's, Uncharted Last Legacy was an incredible game. Anybody who hasn't good. played it that loves Uncharted, play it. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very good. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, you know, and uh, we'll see how that goes. That comes out later this month. We're recording this currently on February 2nd. Uh, that comes out on, I believe, February 15th. So we'll see. Yes. And um, I, I want to dive into Far Cry 5 at some point, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, you tell me because you played it start to finish how open world is it or i would i be able to play you know the story kind of burn through it 
Oh yeah, so it's it's the kind of thing where it's one map broken up in three places, and you can just go to one of the thirds. You you liberate outposts, you help people, you kill these things or these people, and it fills up a bar. The faster you fill up that bar, it generates these boss events. Well, after you fill up the bar, then you kill that boss, okay. or you know you do whatever, and you do that in the three areas, and that triggers your your main boss event. And, and that was you could burn through it. There's actually co-op. Um, I went into David's game whenever he was playing it, and I was I mean I was all leveled up. I had bought a horse mask. I looked ridiculous, but I had this sniper rifle, and I would the just thing wreck. About co-op is that only the main person gets progress, right? Right. Which which we use that to our advantage. Where I had beaten the game, excuse me, and so I went into the game oh. with with all my leveled up stuff. And, uh, and it was it was a lot of fun. We tried to do just a joint playthrough, he and I, and then we wound up goofing off too much that we both got frustrated. But uh, but it was it was really good. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So we'll see how that that kind of works out. Um, what about you though? So you're number four. My number four. <laughs> let's see chronologically. Let me just. I want to make sure that I I pick the right one next. Um. Okay. So I'm I'm not going to do this chronologically because. Then the the next game on my list is probably one of my favorite games of the year, but it definitely doesn't hold a candle to the one that I'm going to say last. So number four for me is Destiny 2, the Forsaken Expansion. And, you know, Destiny 2, or Destiny as a franchise, is a game that has been near and dear to you and I. It's actually how we met. It was Destiny 1, Vault of Glass, LFG. True. Uh, which I think we've mentioned quite a few times on this podcast. But it's, it's worth mentioning because Destiny 2 had a very troubled first year. Um, you know, the expansions that were introduced were not very... The first one, The Curse of Osiris, was not great by any stretch of the imagination. And Warmind was a little bit better, but still missing out on a lot of the things that really made Destiny what it what it needed to be. And I think that they fixed a lot of that with Destiny 2 Forsaken. Yeah. the I, I played... It was right after... I remember I had gotten back from something. Oh, it was training into my birthday from Oklahoma, and I went. Yes. I made it through three or four barons, and I liked it so much that I didn't like how fast I was trying to go through it. So I was like, "I'll come back to this in just a minute and spend some That's time." Funny. And uh, and I haven't gone back, but I think about it often, and not because I want to grind and I want to do things, but because I want to experience that story beat. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll be happy to play it with you whenever you do want to do that, because I think it's worth it. I, I do. I think it's worthwhile to experience the story. It's very good. As everybody who does follow Destiny knows that they killed off a fan favorite with Kate 6 in the, the Forsaken expansion. Um, and they've done a lot of good stuff when it comes to, you know, the the grinding and picking up loot and stuff. But they've also haven't done a great job as well when it comes to really giving you good reasons to to play it every week but they've gotten a lot better with forsaken you know the the dreaming city has tons of stuff for you to do every week there's weekly powerful engrams there's daily powerful engrams there's all these cool you know cool sorts of things that they've implemented that makes you want to turn the game on even if it's only for a minute at a time and i think that's the one thing that's kept me going with destiny is that i can turn it on play it for a handful of minutes get power levels maybe get a good piece of gear 
you know, and, and I just, I enjoy the way Destiny feels. That's, I think, the biggest thing is I like the way it controls. I like the powers. I like the way you shoot stuff. And that's one thing that really keeps me coming back week after week as well. That's good. And that's what it was. That's why where Destiny 1 found its niche, where it was, it was rewarding the, they had, <clears throat> they had corrected some of the things that they didn't do the way that people wanted them to originally. Yes. And so I think that uh, the uh, sorry, something happened in the street. Um, that's all right. The I think that that's where Destiny Two is going to find itself as well. And something we didn't touch on in the news that we had talked about doing was that now Activision and Bungie are no longer related into the Destiny content that has to be released at a certain time. Yes. So I'm hoping that what that really means is that if there's a Destiny Three, that it's not so far in development that the the quality of life changes that are made at the end of Destiny 2's life cycle, similar to D1, are not omitted or just not included in Destiny 3 because of the you way that like it was all made. the quality of life things that went into D1 that, that didn't show up in Destiny 2? That's exactly what I mean. Uh, that was such a heartbreaking experience. Like, where's <coughs> the collections? Where's this? Where's, like, why did you get rid of all of the things <coughs> that helped? Which they did finally bring back in some aspects yeah. to Forsaken. Um... But I, I still think they have a long way to go. Like, there is no weekly PvP pinnacle event like Trials of Osiris, the original Trials of Osiris. And I really think that the only way they're going to get that back is to bring back straight-up Destiny 1 3v3 elimination. Oh, man. I would lose my... I know that would bring you back in a heartbeat. Yeah, it would. I would, I would become a full-time Destiny streamer. Oh, well, great. I will be there when that happens. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into my five. Uh, hang on. Oh. My favorite game of the year. And I lost. I, this is what. Uh, I don't know how. Pokemon, let's go. Eevee. Or period. Pikachu. Yeah, uh, I love that game. I played those games so much growing up on you know Game Boy. Um, I've played them on ROMs. Like I've, I love the, the Pokemon games uh, up through Crystal. I played just. I didn't have a console, so like that's just what I played. Me and my buddies and stuff. Like we'd trade, we'd do mystery gifts, we'd have houses and stuff, and uh, and it was that was something that was so close to me. So then whenever this was released and it was 3d and it's so dynamic and you, the same, you know, you kind of understand the gyms and the story and who you're going to fight and what. And then I liked the, the ways they did the catching and you know, the way that you have to do the legendaries and stuff. I, I liked everything about this game. Um, the only, I'm trying to think if there was anything that really just put me out. I didn't like how they had done the Safari Zone, but that's because I don't play Pokemon uh, Go. Yeah, Pokemon Go. Yeah, but uh, otherwise, like, I really liked how they do a lot of it. I hope that there's a lot of this worked into uh, the way that they're going to continue to do the new iterations. But So I'm going to jump in on that because I, I did play a lot of Let's Go Eevee. I did not beat it yet. I'm probably halfway done. I think I got I have four or five badges and I think that the, the upgrades that they made in this game are incredible. I love the fact that you can see the wild Pokemon and you can choose whether you want to go up to them or not. Like, that's a great touch. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I've got a great team. I've got all three starters plus my Eevee plus a Pikachu. And I think at the moment I'm rocking a Graveler simply for just a little bit of variety. And 
I, I want to see in the the mainline Pokemon game that's supposed to come out this year. I would love to see that uh, you know continue the no wild or random encounters, um, yeah. but a little bit more of a like a story, like like because if you have played some of X and Y or Sun and Moon or Black and White, like those had pretty decent stories that got a little mature in some aspects, and I would love to see them do more with that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they keep and what they don't. I think it's going to have a lot to do with how much they have in development. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, like and I, I think that Nintendo is probably pushing them to finish the development on this as quickly as possible, honestly. Yeah, I, I don't think that we're going to see it until, I mean, potentially December, November. I'm, I I do think it's going to come out in 2019, um, but yeah, it'll probably be a pinnacle title you know, December, November, holiday 2019. I think without a doubt we will we can expect it this year. Yes, I agree. I agree full, uh, wholeheartedly. I think that it will be one of the reasons Nintendo still has a successful year this year. In addition to whatever other surprises that they haven't announced yet. Um, yeah. All right, so I'm going to move on to my final game of the year, I think which, which probably comes as a surprise to no one. Uh, but especially not to you because we talked a lot about this game, but it's definitely Marvel Spider-Man for the PS4. Uh, that is probably my favorite game of the year behind God of War. And for a number of different reasons, but mostly because they did such an amazing job of creating a Spider-Man that fit into his own world. He had his own timeline and he was established. I think that was one of the the real benefits of having a Spider-Man game that started eight years into Spider-Man's career. Um, You know, he's already been around. He's not inexperienced he he knows what he's doing that it just it made for such an amazing thing and then the fact that they turned some of those characters on their heads i think was a really nice touch yeah i thought they did really well at uh diving into not i mean i guess the middle the middle of the story and not having to explain that same dynamic of oh he gets bit by a spider he does this he does this and then spoilers split you know 30 seconds move forward uh, with Miles getting bit, it seems like they're going to be able to to yeah. show that in the next game, what that could be like. But they're not going to do it with Peter and the main character, which was something I think that was daring. I think it was good, and I think they did well with it. I think I thought that was a great touch, honestly, um, because that does open up the possibility then for Spider-Man 2, whenever that comes out to have multiple protagonists. I mean, more so than they had multiple protagonists in this game, which I thought they did a great job with. Cause like, I never got bored of playing as Mary Jane or miles in Spider-Man. Yeah. My son does not have fun with that, but uh, no, I, 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 I did not either. Yeah. Uh, I had to do all those parts for him. Uh, but for me personally, I like them a lot. Yeah. I thought they did really well um, with the, um, like the break in gameplay well the puzzles themselves they they did well um again my son's not crazy about them um but i i didn't i never felt like oh man i've got to do this again and uh and I, I appreciated that so that's something i think they did well and i hope they keep going and doing and i will say at least for the fact that maybe those puzzles were not the greatest thing but they gave you the option to skip them automatically which i thought was a nice touch yeah, they did. And then I got my son his own PlayStation, and it doesn't have it on there. What do you mean? You can do that at any time. You just have to... Mm-mm. 
it's a weird thing. I'm not really sure. I have to, I have to figure it out. I just haven't taken the time to do that. Just go in the options and, and make that adjustment. I promise you. Okay, cool. All right. So I think that wraps it up for our games of the year. Let's real quickly just touch on a couple games that we're excited for, for next year. And then we'll, 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 you know, we'll, we'll dive back into this next week. Cool. I like it. Um, so I'm going to go, I'll just, my first, this is taking out the resident evil, uh, any games that have already come out, Kingdom Hearts, that kind of thing, which should be my next yes. stream game. Woohoo! I've never played those. I think we talked about it. Um, my first one is going to be that Far Cry New Dawn experience. I'm very excited for that. That was a world that I really grew attached to, that I knew pretty well on how to do certain things and figure it out. Um, so I'm excited to see if they do a complete iteration of the map and where okay. things happened, and they're just going to reshape and reskin everything, or if it's going to be a different part of the United States, and because I think they were in Montana, um, you know, is it going to be somewhere else? It's. I think it takes place in the same spot, honestly. I think that it does. I think that it should, and I think it's going to be just kind of a Mad Max style. But the way that game worked, the engine that it was in, the gameplay. I'm sorry, the gunplay, um, and how even the economy worked for guns and weapons and how to do everything. I liked it, and I would I would play it again right now uh, if if I didn't have anything else to play. Uh, so okay. that's that's a game that I'm very excited to play. I'm very excited to stream to its conclusion. Um, that's awesome. Um, for me, let me see here. I wrote these down just so I wouldn't forget. You know, I'm I'm excited for. I think Fire Emblem is my biggest hype game of this year so far because I know it's coming out soon, and I like what I've seen of it so far. But the thing about Fire Emblem games recently is that they're always more surprising than they seem, and then when they come out, they just, you know, Fire Emblem Awakening blew my mind in a way that I was not prepared for. And I, I want to say that I had the same experience with Fire Emblem Fates, which came out for the 3DS, uh, the, the either two years after, but those games just suck up so much of my time. And I can't wait to have one on the switch because that'll give me a reason really never to put that system down. Yeah. Yeah. The and, uh, closer to the time when they announce a, a release date and stuff like that, I know nothing. Literally, I couldn't even tell you the type of game fire emblem is. And I don't want you to tell me now because I, I recently, I think, found out, and I don't think it's the game that I thought it was. And so I, oh, yeah? I, I want to have a discussion about that on a okay. podcast soon. That yeah, and uh, that that'll be that'll be a cool topic for a future podcast, definitely. Yeah, because I know that those are those games are very near and dear to your heart. So I look forward to that conversation. Um, you know, moving quickly here, my next one, no surprise here. I'm very excited for that next iteration Pokemon game. That is something that I'll pre-order. I'll probably try to get the the deluxe something or other, even if it comes with a Pokeball and a keychain that I don't carry right. around. Um, that is one of those games that's going to just appeal to me as a fan and too much probably so i will be victim of that i i i have to agree with you i i think my you know i'm having a blast playing pokemon with my son now even though he has a hard time with reading some of it but he has no problem with catching or fighting and i would love to see more of that even in you know in whatever future iteration they bring out i um i just hope for more depth overall yeah, yeah, I think that they'll be able to do that here. I think that a lot of the uh, Let's Go was kind of a, you know, cast the stone and see what happens. And a kind of a nostalgia, you know, grab. Okay, what about you? What's your uh, second hype? My, I would say, I am very excited for Days Gone. I know that that's a game that has had a long and troubled development cycle. Um, I mean, I, I guess I can't say that, but it's been a, it's a game that's been delayed 
often and frequently, and it's finally coming out. Um, but the, it fills this cool Walking Dead biker gang open world kind of adventure in a like a post-apocalyptic setting that is kind of like a Last of Us meets Horizon sort of gameplay. And I just wonder how well they're going to be able to pull that off. Yeah, I think that that's going to be one of those games that kind of changes how games after it are made. <clears throat> if it if it lands the way that it's meant to, I think that that could be one of those like console generation games that's just always talked about. Yeah, you know, it's weird. It comes from a, you know, Sony Bend, which is not they have not had a game I think in a while. I think they made Uncharted um Golden Abyss, I think that's the name of it, the Vita one. Oh yeah. And I don't think they've made anything really big since then. But I, I, I have to say, I haven't. I didn't do enough research prior to this podcast to kind of dive into that. But I know they've been working on Days Gone for a long time. And I think it looks cool. I don't think it's going to be the most polished game ever. Like, if you're looking at other Sony first-party studios like Naughty Dog um, or Gorilla oh, or whatever. Real quick. But I still think it's going to be fun. I did. I Days Gone... I was thinking of that game with the guy with the baby. That's Death Stranding. Now, yeah. I think that's going to be awesome in and of itself, but we have no clue when that game's coming out. Yeah, so that's why I was kind of like, okay. But no, Days Gone looks cool. I think that it's going to be similar to the the big explosions, like kind of do what you want. You're, you can do anything with the pistol in your hand, run around type thing. I think that's going to be a great game. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a generation-defining console game. Like the, the Hiroshima one or whatever it's called. Ghosts of Tsushima? No, who's the developer or the director of? Oh, Hideo Kojima. Yeah, Kojima, that's right. Yeah, and I mean, he's the Metal Gear mastermind. He's, he has some off-the-wall ideas, but I do enjoy his games. And I think that whatever he has planned for Death Stranding is going to be memorable. And I like the fact that he's got Norman Reedus, you know, he's got Troy Baker, um, he's got some other really cool voice actors in that game. And I think whatever happens with that game, it's going to be mind blowing, you know, in its own right. Yeah. Yeah. I do look forward to that. All right. Um, well, I think that that wraps it up. We went yeah. a little over time, but you know, we had a lot to talk about considering we haven't, we haven't had a podcast in, in a, in a while. So, yeah. so we'll, <laughs> so this is our semi-annual podcast. We will see you guys in July. No, just kidding. Um, so hopefully, you know, we'll we'll try to do this as more frequently as possible. I think if we softball one per month, I think that should work out for a little while, and then we'll keep going yeah. from there if it, if we can do some offshoots and stuff. But uh, again, you know, Travis and Damon, the Hopeless Professionals at, on Twitch, the Hopeless Pros on Instagram and Twitter, and then HopelessProfessionals.com. Did I get all that right? Yeah, that's it. All right, so. Reach out if you like it. Tell us if you don't. Be nice about yeah, it. Help and, say, uh, you know, anything. As long as you're constructive. Constructive criticism is always welcome. But, yeah, for the most part. But all right. Thanks, Travis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Directed only in David. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Later. <laughs>